Hello, and welcome to our Q3 2022 Financial Results Conference Call. Joining us today to answer your questions is Brian Olsofsky, our CFO. As you listen to today's conference call, we encourage you to have our press release in front of you, which includes our financial results, as well as metrics and commentary on the quarter. Please note, unless otherwise stated, all comparisons in this call will be against our results for the comparable period of 2021. Our comments and responses to your questions reflect management's view as of today, October 27, 2022 only, and will include forward-looking statements. Actual results may differ materially. Additional information about factors that could potentially impact our financial results is included in today's press release and our filings with the SEC, including our most recent annual report on Form 10-K and subsequent filings. During this call, we may discuss certain non-GAAP financial measures. In our press release, slides accompanying this webcast and our filings with the SEC, each of which is posted on our IR website. You will find additional disclosures regarding these non-GAAP measures, including reconciliations of these measures with comparable GAAP measures. Our guidance incorporates the order trends that we've seen to date and what we believe today to be appropriate assumptions. Our results are inherently unpredictable and may be materially affected by many factors, including uncertainty regarding the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic, fluctuations in foreign exchange rates, changes in global economic and geopolitical conditions and customer demand and spending, including the impact of recessionary fears, inflation, interest rates, regional labor market and global supply chain constraints, world events, the rate of growth of the internet, online commerce and cloud services, and the various factors detailed in our filings with the SEC. This guidance also reflects our estimates to date regarding the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic on our operations, including those discussed in our filings with the SEC. Our guidance also assumes, among other things, that we don't conclude any additional business acquisitions, restructurings, or legal settlements. It's not possible to accurately predict demand for our goods and services, and therefore our actual results could differ materially from our guidance. And now I'll turn the call over to Brian. Thank you for joining today's call. Before we move to questions, I will make some comments about our Q3 performance and the outlook for Q4. For the third quarter, worldwide net sales were $127.1 billion, representing an increase of 19% year-over-year, excluding approximately 460 basis points of unfavorable impact from changes in foreign exchange rates. As the dollar continued to strengthen during the quarter, the foreign exchange impact was higher than the 390 basis point impact we had incorporated into our Q3 guidance. This represents a headwind of approximately $900 million, more than we initially guided to. Throughout the quarter, our worldwide stores business continued to stay highly focused on our customers and driving the inputs that matter most, which helped to accelerate sales growth in the quarter. We now offer our widest selection ever. We've taken actions that have driven strong recovery of in-stock rates, and we continue to work on improving delivery speeds, all while ensuring our pricing remains sharp for our customers. Third-party sellers and the products they offer remain an important strength of our offering for consumers representing 58% of total paid units sold in Q3, the highest percentage ever. It's up from 56% in Q3 of last year. And we're working with these partners, most of whom are small and medium-sized businesses, to build an even stronger offering. We recently hosted Amazon Accelerate, our U.S. conference for selling partners, where we introduced new tools, including new email marketing capabilities, free-to-use shipping software that offers discounted shipping rates, and new features and analytics to help sellers better understand and act on conversion-driving content. This was a big quarter for Prime members. 
we celebrated our eighth Prime Day in July, which contributed approximately 400 basis points to our Q3 year-over-year sales growth rate. Prime members purchased more than 300 million items worldwide, making it the biggest Prime Day net sales event in Amazon's history. As a reminder, Prime Day occurred in the second quarter of 2021. We also debuted the two largest Prime video releases ever. The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, attracted more than 25 million global viewers on its first day. And in the first two months since its launch, Rings of Power has driven more Prime signups globally than any other Amazon original. NFL Thursday Night Football also premiered in September, averaging more than 15 million viewers during its first broadcast and driving the three biggest hours of U.S. Prime signups in the history of Amazon. Our next broadcast, the seventh of the 15-game schedule, kicks off in a few hours with the Ravens visiting the Buccaneers. We also saw a good growth in our advertising offerings, where sales grew 30% year-over-year, excluding the impact of foreign exchange, as vendors and sellers have embraced our portfolio of products, which allow advertisers to build general awareness and or drive sales of a specific product. In AWS, net sales increased to $20.5 billion in Q3, up 28% year-over-year, excluding the impact of foreign exchange, and now representing an annualized sales run rate of $82 billion. With the ongoing macroeconomic uncertainties, we've seen an uptick in AWS customers focused on controlling costs, and we're proactively working to help customers cost-optimize, just as we've done throughout AWS's history especially in periods of economic uncertainty. The breadth and depth of our service offerings enable us to help them do things like move storage to lower price tiers options and shift workloads to our Graviton chips. Graviton 3 processors deliver 40% better price performance than comparable x86-based instances. And our teams across AWS continue to work relentlessly to expand that breadth and depth including recent launches of new EC2 machine learning training instances in AWS IoT FleetWise. And we continue to expand the AWS infrastructure footprint to support customers with the launch of the AWS Middle East region in August and the recent announcement to launch AWS Asia Pacific region in Thailand. Now let's shift to operating income. During the quarter, we reported $2.5 billion in operating income. Turning first to our North America and international segments, during the quarter, we generated over $1 billion in operations cost improvements, driven by higher leverage of our fixed cost base and continued productivity improvements in our fulfillment and transportation networks. This represents a solid improvement in productivity quarter over quarter, though not quite as much as we had planned. We are encouraged by the progress made during the quarter but we recognize there's still a lot of opportunity to continue to improve productivity and drive cost efficiencies throughout our networks. We have identified initiatives that the teams continue to work hard on, and we expect to see further improvement in the quarters ahead. Another impact to operating income was the step up in prime video content and marketing costs in Q3, primarily driven by the global premiere of the Rings of Power and the launch of the NFL Thursday Night Football package in the United States. Our results were also negatively impacted by non-recurring charges related to the closure of certain businesses and products, such as Amazon Care, Fabric.com, and Amazon Explore. We continue to ramp up our investments in AWS, adding product builders and sales and professional services headcount to help customers save money, invent more quickly in their businesses, and transition to the cloud. We're also continuing to invest in new infrastructure to meet capacity needs, 
expanding to new geographic regions, developing new services, and iterating quickly to enhance existing services. Overall stock-based compensation expense was $5.6 billion in Q3, up from $5.2 billion in the second quarter. This increase was primarily driven by a reduction in the estimated forfeiture rate on certain unvested stock awards. We reported overall net income of $2.9 billion in the third quarter. While we primarily focus our comments on operating income, I'd point out that this net income includes a pre-tax valuation gain of $1.1 billion included in non-operating income from the common stock investment in Rivian Automotive. As we've noted in recent quarters, the impact of this investment to our income statement is driven by quarter-to-quarter fluctuations in Rivian stock price. Now let's discuss capital investments, which is the combination of CapEx plus equipment finance leases. For the full year 2022, we expect to incur approximately $60 billion in capital investments, which is broadly in line with what we spent in 2021. This represents an estimated reduction in fulfillment and transportation capital investments of approximately $10 billion compared to last year, as we've continued to moderate our build expectations to better align with demand. And this is offset by an approximately $10 billion year-over-year increase in technology infrastructure, primarily to support the rapid growth, innovation, and continued expansion of our AWS footprint. We also provided our fourth quarter financial guidance as part of our earnings release. While we are encouraged by our progress across the business, the macroeconomic environment remains challenging worldwide. The continuing impacts of broad-scale inflation, heightened fuel prices, and rising energy costs have impacted our sales growth as consumers assess their purchasing power and organizations of all sizes evaluate their technology and advertising spend. As the third quarter progressed, we saw moderating sales growth across many of our businesses as well as the increased foreign currency headwinds I mentioned earlier. And we expect these impacts to persist throughout the fourth quarter. As we've done at similar times in our history, we're also taking actions to tighten our belt, including pausing hiring in certain businesses and winding down products and services where we believe our resources are better spent elsewhere. We aim to strike the right balance between investing for our customers for the long term while driving operational efficiency improvements and accomplishing more with less. When faced with an uncertain economy or some kind of discontinuous event, customers tend to double down on companies that they believe have the best customer experience and that take care of them the best. And that is where our efforts remain focused. As we head into the fourth quarter, we are ready to make this a great holiday season for our customers. We kicked off the season a few weeks ago with our first ever Prime Early Access sales event where tens of millions of Prime members shopped and ordered more than 100 million items from Amazon's selling partners. We remain heads down focused on driving a fantastic customer experience, and we believe putting customers first is the only reliable way to create lasting value for shareholders. Thanks, and with that, let's move on to your questions. Thank you. At this time, we will now open the call up for questions. We ask each caller to please limit yourself to one question. If you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. We ask that when you pose your question, you pick up your handsets to provide optimum sound quality. Once again, to initiate a question, please press star, then 1 on your touchtone telephone at this time. Please hold while we poll for questions. Our first question comes from the line of Eric Sheridan with Goldman Sachs. Please proceed with your question. Thanks for taking the question. Uh, Brian, maybe I'll just ask a a two-parter with respect to the revenue guide for Q3. 
Can you help us better understand some of the comments you made around the exit velocity, specifically with respect to the U.S. e-commerce business or the AWS business, and how that might inform some of the lower-than-seasonal trends that seem to be implied in the Q4 guide, specifically with respect to either optimizations on the AWS side or changes in consumption behavior on the U.S. e-commerce side. Thanks so much. Sure thing, Eric. Thanks for your question. Um, as I look ahead to guidance for Q4, I think the biggest individual factor is still going to be foreign exchange. We had this guidance includes 460 basis points of unfavorable impact year over year. FX is a bigger issue for us on our um, on our revenue growth in dollars uh, than it is on our income. Actually, is a slight favorability due to the investments we're making internationally. But uh, put that aside for a moment. What we're seeing, uh, we saw in Q3 was a, a really strong July with uh, a great reaction to Prime Day globally, um, and the resumption of things like in-stock rates are starting to come back and delivery rate uh, speed was coming back. And that continued through the quarter, but uh, growth rates started to slow a bit. And primarily in the consumer stores business, it was in international. North America, uh, obviously, it, it was strong, but it, it started to slow a bit, but it was mostly in international where we saw the biggest impact. And we think that is tied to uh, a tougher recessionary uh, environment there. Even even if uh, you compare to the US, it's worse in Europe right now the Ukraine war and the energy price issues have really uh, uh, compounded in that geography. But, uh, you know, when I talk about enterprise customers in AWS, yes, we've we've been working with consumer, uh, customers to lower their bills. Um, just like all companies, they want to lower their spend uh, when they're faced uncert with uncertainty in the market. Uh, I would say, you know, this is one of the real valuable points about cloud computing is that it's turning fixed costs into variable for many of our customers. And we help them save money either through alternative services or Graviton3 chips. Um, you know, there's many ways that we have to help them lower their spending and still get great cost per performance ratios. So, um, well, we're really excited about the business, both in the long term and even in the short run. You, you notice we've added $4.5 billion to the $16 billion our base we had of revenue last Q3. So the business is growing in, in absolute dollars at, at a really good clip. We do our, we do, do see some of the consumers are cutting the budgets and trying to save money in the short run. I would say that uh, although we had a 28% growth rate uh, for the quarter for AWS, the back end of the quarter, we were, we were more in the mid 20% uh, growth range. So um, we've carried that forecast through to the fourth quarter. We're not sure how it's going to play out, but uh, that's um, generally our assumption. We're excited about the reInvent conference that's coming up in late November. We expect to have over 40,000 people in Las Vegas and uh, many more uh, tuning in virtually. So continue to drive value for customers uh, with new products, new services, and uh, lately, also uh, additional ways for them to manage their budgets and, and optimize in, in what is uh, shaping up as a tough economy. Thank you. Our next question is from Doug Anmuth with JP Morgan. Please proceed with your questions. Great. Thanks for taking the question. Um, Brian, free cash flow generation has always been Amazon's focus in the past, but that went negative last year and likely this year as well. Can you talk about the path to restoring meaningful free cash flow? And do you think that CapEx tied to data centers and the AWS ramp can ultimately step back, similar to what we've seen recently with fulfillment and transport? Thanks. Yeah, I think 
If you look at our free cash flow, there's multiple factors here. Uh, one is the uh, drop-off in income for the trailing 12 months versus the 12 months before it. And uh, a lot of that is driven to our things that we've talked about on these calls, ops cost. Uh, we're still not in a uh, – our network doubled over the last two and a half years um, while we're making strides in productivity and, and um, network optimization. Uh, we still have work to do there. So we have to get our cost structure – back to pre-pandemic levels in a lot of areas of the company and mostly in operations. There's a, a unique thing going on with inventory right now because we have a lot of um, weeks of cover, mainly due to supply chain issues uh, coming out of Asia primarily, and uh, we're seeing with our sellers too. We just have additional weeks of cover. We think our model uh, reacts quickly to customer demand. This is more about the other side of the equation, the supply chain, and um, uh, having more in stock. So what the uh, issue there is that we generally have a favorable working capital impact from accounts payable that does uh, more days than our inventory. That's been flipping the last year, and we expect that to normalize as we move uh, into 2023. Um, and then CapEx is a big driver. We had, again, uh, doubling of the network, had very high CapEx the last two years. You'll see that uh, we've lowered CapEx uh, year over year. We probably cut about a third of our uh, budget from what we originally thought for 2022, while still focusing our capital dollars really on the AWS business uh, and uh, increasing customer demand or uh, capacity for increasing customer demand in our stores business. So um, we ex we're working hard on all those dimensions, and um, we expect with the uh, uh, as we see a recovery in income generation. Uh, normalization of the inventory versus accounts payable cycle uh, and uh, efficiency in our CapEx spend. Um, uh, we we uh, intend to flip those numbers around. And our next question comes from the line of Mark Mahaney with Evercore. Please proceed with your question. Uh, let me ask two uh, profit questions. Uh, AWS margins were a little um, lower than we would have thought. Is that just the reflection of the full quarter impact of that kind of stock-based um, uh, compensation granted to those employees you know, earlier in the year. Is any 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 commentary on is, is that the new normal for AWS margins? And then international losses also were a little bit heavier than we thought. Just uh, uh, talk about the you know w w what drove those uh, losses and is that uh, is that also the new normal for that segment? Thank you. Uh, sure. Uh, let me start with AWS. So. Um, we did see a deceleration of uh, or drop in op margin uh, sequentially over the quarter over quarter. The broad disclaimer on AWS margins is that they will they will fluctuate over time as we balance investments versus renegotiating pricing with uh, long term cust uh, customer commitments. Um, all as headwinds to the business uh, offset by increasing productivity and efficiencies in our data centers, which uh, drive profitability. So there's there's moving parts there. I'd say what's happening lately is, uh, yes, the stock-based comp, There's there's um, we have uh, seen inflation in our uh, wages this year and particularly on our tech employees, and it's uh, heavily concentrated in AWS. So that's one element of it. We're also seeing energy costs uh, that are uh, materially higher than they had in pre-pandemic electricity and and the impact of natural gas pricing. So uh, those prices, you know, up more than 2x over the last couple of years and contribute to about 200 basis point uh, degradation versus two years ago. So, you know, we're fighting through some of that uh, as well, which is a new thing for the consumer, for the uh, AWS business. But, you know, we'll continue to look for ways to optimize our 
operations to use less uh, energy. And, um, you know, as we scale, we will uh, kind of run into that. We'll will outrun that growth trajectory. Um, on international, uh, international is always a, a mix of profitability and more established countries of Europe and Japan, offset by emerging countries and, and investments in prime benefits. Um, I think the biggest issue uh, quarter over quarter, the, the increase in losses versus Q2 was tied to some additional operating costs in, in Europe. They've, uh, we've seen higher fuel costs there even more so than the United States, and Prime Day is always a bit of a, you know has has lesser profitability because there's a lot of deals and it's a bit of margin uh, uh, from Prime Day in both North America and international. So we also have big uh, uh, a big part of that is device sales, and again we sell a lot of devices during our Prime Day events. We don't make money on the device; we make money on the use of the device. So uh, that always. Uh, can end up hurting profitability in the quarter. So there, there's some contributing things. As far as new normal, um, we're, we're working very hard to make sure that uh, current profitability is not the new normal. And, um, you know, uh, we'll see how quickly we can make improvements. A lot of the improvements that we t I talk about on a macro level, capital efficiency, operations um, uh, improvements uh, are uh, as important internationally as they are in North America. And our next question comes from the line of Brent Till with Jeffries. Please proceed with your question. Brian, on EWS, I'm just curious when you talk about uh, optimizing and efficiency, can you talk to what you're, you're seeing from your customers, why perhaps you're seeing such a big pullback in terms of near-term demand? How, how would you characterize those conversations? And uh, I think the, the other question is related to backlog. Backlog's been running 60-plus percent, so the divergence between revenue and backlog is it's pretty large. You know, everyone's asking, uh, how, how do you describe that that diversion? Uh, let me have Dave answer the uh, backlog question first. Yeah, it's uh, it's Dave here. So uh, I think our current backlog balance for Q3 is uh, 104 billion. Um, so that's uh, about a little less than 60 percent. I think about 57 percent up year over year. And you know, the new customer pipeline's healthy. Um, I think with with uh, a lot of enterprises and you know customers, they're continuing to put plans in place. I think you know Brian will talk a little bit about some of the cost optimization in a second. Backlog growth, this figure, you know, it it, it can fluctuate quarter to quarter because it is dependent on you know the, the commitments that you do sign in the period and and um, um, how those adjust. But uh, yeah, one hundred four point three billion for the end of Q three. Yeah, and your first question about uh, cost optimization. First, there. Are, um, uh, some industries that have lower demand that are that's showing up in our volumes is probably like other companies as well. Things like, you know, financial services, the mortgage business being down, cryptocurrencies has been down. There's, you know, we're very strong in in some of those industries, and that's you know that's part of it. But you know, basically what we see is customers are looking to save money uh, versus their committed spend. We have options for them to do that. They can manage workloads better. They can uh, switch to uh, lower cost products that have different performance profiles. They can switch to Graviton chips that uh, have higher cost performance ratio. So all really good things for the customer and for Amazon long-term. Um, it's, uh, uh, you know, the, again, we think the benefit of cloud computing is really showing up right now because we allow customers to turn what can normally be a fixed expense into a variable expense, and they can let us manage the, you know, uh, highs and lows of inflation and uh, other costs of electricity and everything else. Uh, and they can, they can get about to do their business uh, using our services in a very highly secure way. So 
I think this is just like in, in 2020, uh, these time periods are good for long-term adoption on cloud computing. But, you know, the offset in the short run is that, uh, you know, some companies uh, have a demand that drops. I think what was different in 2020 was there was a, you know, there were companies that went down and there was companies that went up quite a bit that were, you know, servicing high, really high volumes during the pandemic. So that dynamic's not in place right now. And I think everyone's just cautious and they want to, again, watch their uh, spend. And I, CFO, I appreciate that. And we're doing the same thing here at Amazon. And our next question comes from the line of John Blackledge with Cowan. Please proceed with your question. Great, thanks. Uh, two questions. First, could you provide some more details on the cost structure initiative and when, when we could see those initiatives hitting the P&L? And then second, um, on the holiday season, it, it's a bit implicit in your guide and, and remarks thus far, but just curious how a year expectation for uh, consumer demand this holiday season versus last year. Thank you. Sure. Let me start with the holiday. So, um, you know, we're ready to roll. We've got the best in selection we've ever had. In-stock levels are really high. Delivery speeds are, you know, getting very close to where we want them to be. And, um, you know, we're ready to have a really good holiday season uh, with our consumers this year. And uh, the P's, or the, excuse me, the primarily access sale, I think, create a great value for uh, consumers, allowed them to uh, get a jump on some of their purchases for the um holiday and also just find some great deals. So we're happy with uh, that effort and the teams that put that together worked very hard this year to, to hold two large prime events within four months. Um, so, you know, we're very optimistic about the uh, holiday and, but we're realistic that uh, there's, you know, various uh, factors weighing on people's wallets. And, uh, you know, we're not quite sure how, how strong holiday spending will be versus last year. And, you know, we're ready for a variety of outcomes, but, you know, we know the consumers, uh, when, uh, you know, they're looking for good deals and uh, that positions us well. Advertisers are looking for effective advertising and our advertising is at the point where consumers are ready to spend. So, you know, we have a lot of advantages um, that we feel uh, that will help both consumers and also uh, our partners like sellers and advertisers. So the seller in stock is uh, very high. Um, We've had, uh, you know, great um, in-stocks from our uh, FBA sellers. And so we're ready to go and um, we're very optimistic about the fourth quarter. Uh, just realistic about, you know, whether we, uh, we may have a, a range of outcomes that we just have to be ready for and we, when we are. Um, on the cost structure initiatives, you know, I think you're primarily talking about uh, the operations world. You know, we made, uh, uh, there's three large buckets there, as I've said in the past, productivity, fixed cost leverage, and inflation. On productivity, uh, made good strides, uh, but there's still a lot of work to do there, and uh, we know the job ahead of us. It's hard to get, it's hard to improve uh, productivity much in the fourth quarter because it's just a period of like maximum stress on the operations, and we're trying to fulfill every order in a very quick way. Um, but we're, you know, our goal is to leave ourselves in really good, strong condition for a fast start on a lot of initiatives in Q1 of next year. On fixed cost leverage, we've taken steps to alter our forward plan and take CapEx out. Uh, a lot of the CapEx we spend in any given year is feeding future years uh, capability. And we've tightened that up. Uh, feel good about the, the arc of demand versus uh, supply that we have in our uh, fulfillment and transportation area. Inflation's a wild card. Um, it's, uh, you know, we do as much as we can to save money in an inflationary environment. We've looked to make sure that our trucks are fully utilized um, as best we can. 
preventing long zone shipments, you know, things that like use a lot of fuel or you lose a lot, use a lot of trucking or use a lot of uh, shipments from, you know, other parts of the world. So uh, we're working, uh, you know, under the umbrella of, of not having it impact the customer. We're working very hard to save that. Uh, those challenges will be there through the end of the year and we'll be uh, working on them uh, in definitely in the first half of next year as well. So uh, more, we'll keep you posted as we uh, have these quarterly calls on our progress and where we see opportunities. And our final question will come from the line of Ross Sandler with Barclays. Please proceed with your question. Hey guys, just two clarifications on what you, what you just said. Um, so first on retail, uh, you, you did see some good efficiency gains in uh, in three two. You know, and you talked about a billion five. Uh, you know, as we look forward, um, if those three areas you just mentioned uh, do turn favorable, uh, how quickly do you think you could get back to kind of historical North America retail operating margins? Is that one year, two years? any time frame on that. And then on AWS, you said the back half of 3Q was a mid-20s run rate. Um, one of your uh, prominent peers is talking about incremental macro weakness in 4Q. So could you just talk about, are, are you expecting the same thing in 4Q, or are some of the price concessions you already made in 3Q kind of getting in front of that? Thank you. Was that second question on AWS, Ross? Yeah, AWS trajectory. Exactly. I got it. Okay. Let me start with the efficiency. I just uh, uh, outlined a lot of it in the prior answer, but, you know, just to clarify, uh, we were aiming for about a billion and a half of improvements uh, sequentially versus Q2 and Q3. We feel like we came up about a half billion short on that, um, primarily in, mostly in our productivity. We uh, had a lot of, um, you know, with the Prime Day and the uh, preparation for the Prime Early Access event, we have been running with very high inventory levels in our warehouses, both our inventory and our sellers, uh, as we get ready for those events. It's paid off in the events themselves, in stocks have been, you know, uh, at really high levels. So in that environment, um, there's blockages to making uh, impro improvement in productivity. Uh, there's a lot of extra work when you have uh, space constraints, but um, we will continue that fight. And uh, I can't um, uh, forecast into 2023 yet, and I'm really only talking about Q4. My message is that we have work to do in 2023 that we are aware of and working on today. Dave, you want to take that Q, the question on AWS? Yeah, this is Dave. I think, yeah, Ross, you were just asking um, around uh, AWS. and I, I, There's nothing really I'd, I'd add to what Brian had already said other than he'd, he'd spoken about, you know, we'd seen the year-over-year -year growth rate come down as third quarter progressed and, and exited sort of in the mid-20s mid growth rate. And so that's informed, you know, how we're thinking about uh, the guidance ranges heading into the fourth quarter, but nothing else to, to add on that. Thanks for joining us on the call today and for your questions. A replay will be available on our investor relations website for at least three months. We appreciate your interest in Amazon and we look forward to talking with you again next quarter. Thank you everyone. This does conclude today's teleconference. You may disconnect your lines at this time. Thank you for your participation and have a great day.